The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. Follow me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Make sure to check out Hoop Ball. Like I say on Twitter at Hoop Ball. Tweets online. Hoop. Ball.com. Great content. Been happening, still happening. You got your team podcast. You got the Hoop Ball Loyalty Program. Definitely jump aboard on that and save big time, especially as the season is literally right around the corner in just a few short months. But we even got something just more current in terms of time. We have the NBA Draft Live Show presented by Hoop Ball. That'll be Thursday, literally tomorrow, from 810 to 1130 Eastern. We're going to cover it all. It's simple as that. Join us on YouTube. We'll have the link there on Twitter so you can bookmark it, get in there, have a lot of fun. Join uh, just a ton of our analysts, including yours truly, as we break down the draft, including any trades that may happen, looking at it from the prospect perspective, from team fit, from fantasy outlook, the whole nine. All of it will be covered. So definitely make sure to check that out. It's going to be a great NBA draft. I am very excited. If you are into NBA draft content, everybody in Mama going to have something. So it's definitely going to be fun to watch. If you're into producing it, everybody in Mama going to be doing something. So it's going to be fun to do that as well. Uh, but definitely, just make sure, if you can, give it a, a look-see, check it out for a little bit, correspond with us on there. It's going to be a load of fun, and I cannot wait. So, like I said, you know, tomorrow is the draft, so you can only imagine today is the 28th, Wednesday. Cannot believe we are just getting ever so closer to the, not just the off season, but summer league for myself. Uh, the end of another week. This week kind of flies by. It's, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It feels like it takes forever, and it also feels like it's barely been a minute. I don't know. That's just my existential look at how the week goes for a guy working nine to five and talking basketball. But we have some news to get into. Then we got some NBA birthdays, and then we got to finish with a little bit of um, Orlando Magic offseason outlook. They are a team that is going to fully commit to the rebuild, and we're going to break down, you know, how the year went last year and what they could look at this year. I said we're going to close out with that as if I have an order. We're going to cover all of it, and you're going to be along for the ride, so definitely make sure to enjoy that. But let's start with the news, and specifically the NBA Board of Governors, because they've been busy. Yesterday, the NBA Board of Governors approved a proposal to continue the playing tournament for the 2021-2022 NBA season. So, the playing tournament for this upcoming season, which was also agreed to by the NBA and the National Basketball Players Association, the NBPA, will follow the same format as the playing tournament for last year. The teams that finish the regular season with the 7th through 10th highest winning percentages in each conference will compete to fill the 7th and 8th playoff seeds in each conference. Basically, 7 plays 8. Eight, uh, or seven, yeah, seven plays eight, and nine plays ten. Uh, loser of nine and ten is out. Loser of eight and, of seven and eight has to play the winner of nine and ten. You know, winner for seventh, winner for eighth. Kind of simple, kind of weird. In general, it, it's kind of fun. I mean, unless you're in the Eastern Conference, those games are pretty miserable. Uh, for the 2021-2022 season, the playing tournament will take place from April 12th through 15th through the 15th of 2022. So that's between the last day of the regular season on April 10th and the start of the playoffs on April 16th. Keep that revenue flow going. Keep some more basketball. There's not that dead week uh, in between the playoffs. So there is that. We also have some set days in the NBA schedule now through 
the entire 2021-2022 season. So let's run them down, starting with what's coming up literally next week. On August 2nd, teams can begin negotiating with free agents. So boom, there's that. That's 6 p.m. Eastern time. August 6th, teams can begin signing free agents. So four days later, 12.01 p.m. Eastern. Boom. Between August 8th and August 17th, of which I will be there, MGM Resorts NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. If you can't tell I'm excited, I'm excited. Now you can tell I'm excited because I'm very excited. Boom. Let's go Lakers, right? Okay. September 28th, training camp begins. Literally, August 17th, Summer League's over. September 28th, training camp begins. You got a little bit of a month and some change. Then you got another month, or less than that. October 19th, regular season begins for the 2021-2022 NBA season. Then we skip to April 10th, where the regular season concludes. Of course, I already mentioned the 12th and the 15th, where the playing tournament will take place between that time, with the playoffs commencing on the 16th, the NBA Finals beginning on June 2nd, Game 7 of the Finals, if necessary, on June 19th, and then four days after that will be followed by the 2022 NBA Draft. So it's going to come bam, bam, bam right at you, which, I mean, as a fan I like, it doesn't give me a real chance to slow down and, and, and lack off, you know, we get enough nuggets of time in between to recharge our batteries and get ready for another season, but that's a lot, right? I'm just surprised with the uh, expediency with which the NBA is able to move, I get it's a business, but geez, Louise, they can't really get on it, can't they? I can't even get on my schedule for the rest of this week. Anyways, that's that for that news. Very interested to see how this all plays out. It's going to be coming one after another. We won't really get a break to really take a deep breath until, what, I'd say August 18th, right? That's like the next little chunk of time. So uh, enjoy the ride while it lasts. Other news. Former President Barack Obama joins NBA Africa as strategic partner. So Barack Obama announced this yesterday via Twitter, but he will help advance the league's social responsibility efforts across the continent, including programs and partnerships that support greater gender equality and economic inclusion. Uh, That is really big for NBA Africa. We've seen a lot of stuff happening over on that end in terms of integrating the game, um, spreading it out. And we've seen talent and players from that area bring that forward and keep that going, giving back to their own community. So it's really proven to be a beneficial uh, partnership. Um, Having Barack Obama on board will only continue to help that long. So that is really, really cool. All right, let's talk some Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic are, um, they're my team to watch this year. I always pick one team that I am intrigued by for whatever reason, whether it's a team in transition, um, a dumpster fire team, as I call them, a team that has Russell Westbrook. (laughs) I mean, those are the qualifiers that dictate what is the team that I'll be exclusively focusing on, aside from the Lakers and the general NBA at large. This year, it's going to be the Orlando Magic. And one of the reasons why I like them, aside from their snazzy uniform, especially the black and blue, gotta love that from a fashion sense, at least mine, is that they're committing to a rebuild. Like, actually fully committing to that rebuild, not trying to take shortcuts, or at least not yet, it's year one of said rebuild, with a lot of interesting young talent on their roster, and I absolutely love it. So, looking back on the Magic last season, they finished 29th in offensive rating at 105.1. They finished 26th in defensive rating at 114.5. Obviously, They were a team in transition. They had started off, actually, people might forget, I know I definitely did, but the Magic started off relatively hot begin the year. Uh, They won six of their first eight games, and this was even when they were coming into the season undermanned, because remember, Jonathan Isaac tore his ACL in the bubble the previous year, so he wasn't expected to return this year. He did not return this year, and even without him, I mean, 
they were expected to at least retain their status for one of the lower seats. They won that quick start, won 6-8, which they hadn't done as far as a start during the Dwight Howard times, during the Shaq Penny times. It was it was a really good start. Uh, but then, unfortunately, in the eighth game of the year, Markel Fultz-Torres left ACL. That forced him to miss the remainder of the season. Um, that kind of led to the beginning of the end in terms of injuries, where you had other players have to shuffle in and out of the lineup to fill other needs. That really threw them off in terms of gaining any sort of positive trajectory or rhythm. Uh, and then it only got worse once uh, midseason came, because... Nikola Vucevic was having another all-star season, but I think the Magic saw what everyone else did, the writing on the wall, that this team had reached whatever ceiling was going to get, um, and they blew it up. They dealt Vucevic, they dealt Aaron Gordon, and they dealt Evan Fournier to other teams, uh, the Bulls, the Nuggets, and the Celtics, respectively. Essentially, once they did that, they were toast. Uh, They ended up being one of the worst teams in the league, and as I just told you, they're heading into a full-scale rebuild. Um... Offensively, how they do? I mean, I just told you, 29th. Not super great. They already had a slow offense to begin with. They grind out possessions. They really played through Nikola Vucevic. That was how they did it because they didn't have a dynamic ball handler on the perimeter to create offense um, unless you're including Markel Fultz, in which after the first eight games, you can forget about that. Um, so it made it even harder to get the ball to Vuce inside. And from there, they didn't have a lot of consistent outside shooting. So opposing defenses could just gum up the lane and make things tougher for them, which happened. Um... They couldn't put enough pressure on the rim because they didn't have enough versatile uh, attackers uh, of the basket of, of players on their roster, so that wasn't something they were able to do. They weren't a great passing team. They ranked near the bottom of the league in most passing metrics this season, and they also weren't able to draw fouls. They ended up being one of the league's worst shooting teams in general because you can't make threes consistently. You can't drive to the lane consistently. Once they lost Nikola Vucevic, they lost their entire hub. It was very hard for them to manufacture offense outside of a few, a few select performances. Um... It just felt disjointed, especially after the trade. You're incorporating a lot of new players at once. It was a lot to handle, and the Magic just weren't able to do that. And so that's kind of how they fell on that end. Uh, In general, they're one of the worst offensive teams. They haven't been a great offensive team over the last couple of years, but this year was like the, 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 the beginning of, okay, the Magic on offense absolutely suck. Defensively, usually another story. The Magic have been one of the better defensive teams in the league over the last couple of years. Um, They had a lot of length, a lot of athleticism. The front office of Orlando loves that. Uh, You know they have a type when they draft, right? And it really works well in terms of forcing turnovers and and protecting the rim. Uh, But losing Isaac was big. Losing Fultz was big. Uh, Those guys, for their size and versatility at the positions they were at, the Magic couldn't easily replicate that. Um, And that caused their defense to fall. It actually ranked in the bottom third of the league in defensive efficiency. Uh, They weren't as active off the ball, so they weren't able to collect steals or blocks as significantly as before. Uh, They didn't have any weak side dimension that Isaac gave them because he had become a really good defensive weapon on that side. The loss of him was huge. And to compensate for that extra layer of rim protection they didn't have, they ended up having to bring more help inside than usual, which, of course, you bring more help inside, what are you leaving outside? Three-point shooting, right? That's what happened. (laughs) So, um, as a result, opponents were able to shoot pretty efficiently against them. They finished in the bottom third in the league, the Magic did, in opponents' effective field goal percentage. Kind of rough. So, again, just like the offensive side, you're not going to contain the inside very well. You're not going to contain the outside very well. You're not forcing turnovers. Uh, it's rough. It's rough. I mean, the fortunate thing for the Magic uh, pretty much all year, even after they lost Vooch, is that they had a pretty solid defensive rebounding team. Their lineup still skewed bigger. You have bigger players in your roster, you're going to play those guys, right? Even if they may be slow on the defensive end or not great offensive initiators or offensive initiators at all, at least they can get in there on the boards and rebound. And that's what the Magic were able to do 
pretty decently. They also did okay in terms of avoiding fouls. Steve Clifford kind of had that entrenched in them as well, so that was solid. And if you do that, then you keep opponents off the free throw line. So that was pretty solid as well. But, again, proof is in the pudding. 29th offensive, 26th defensive, not super great. So now where are the Magic? They're in a full-scale rebuild. You know, after losing the guys you did, especially Vucevic, Gordon, and Fournier, you could say of those three, Vuce was probably the one quote-unquote core, like foundational player there, and you had reached where he could go. He's 31. Uh, they don't have that player now. They have some interesting young players. Uh, they got Wendell Carter Jr. and RJ Hampton in trades. Um, both of them have shown some signs of growth. Cole Anthony, when he came back from injury, played well. Chumo Kiki had his moments as well. I don't think he's that guy, but he was another guy who was very solid. Um... And then signing Isaac and Fultz to long-term extensions early in the season, if anything, even if they're not exactly core pieces, they are retained as such by the Magic. So there is that there. But I actually have my own thoughts on this team. I've taken the roster and, and looking at guaranteed salary. Gary Harris is on for one more year at $20 million. Jonathan Isaac is on for a couple more years at 17 mil. Markel Fultz, same thing, a couple more years at 16 mil. Terrence Ross, two more years, 12 mil. Uh, Mo Bamba. Who doesn't like some more Bamba? Would you like more Bamba? Okay, bad joke. Fine. He's on for 7.5 mil. Wendell Carter, 6.9. Cole Anthony, 3.4. You sub Michael Carter-Williams. Chuma Okiki at 3.2. And then RJ Hampton at 2.3. Uh, for the draft, the Magic hold the 5th pick, the 8th pick, and the 33rd pick in this year's draft. So that's something to consider in terms of adding talent onto this roster here. Now, what I have marked as trade pieces are Terrence Ross... Gary Harris and Jonathan Isaac. And question mark on Isaac. I understand this. Now, Terrence Ross, I think he's just the most logical. Shot creator, heats up in a hurry, comes off the bench. Not great defense, not even really good defense, but you know what you're going to get from the guy, and that's buckets. And contenders definitely would like some of that. Um, if you can get a couple of pieces during, you know, the midseason trade deadline, then do that if you're Orlando. I don't know why they weren't able to do that this year, but I mean, having a gunner who, it's weird. He's going to be inconsequential to the Magic winning this year, but he could be just the boost that a contending team needs in terms of juicing up their offense off the bench. It's that weird dichotomy of, okay, he's not going to really hurt us this year, but on the right team, he could sort of help. So, keeping him on board, you definitely want to make sure that you try to trade him. He doesn't fit this timeline at all for this team, and he can make a, a, a tremendous boost on teams that are starving for outside shooting. Looking at the Lakers, looking at Jihard, but other teams as well that are contenders and just do not have enough offense, or at least the requisite offense off the bench that they think they may need to contend in the playoffs. So, that's one guy. Another guy, Gary Harris. I mean, one year, 20 mil, his shooting has kind of fallen off a cliff, but defensively solid. He can sort of still shoot, just nowhere near as good as he was, which is kind of concerning, but an expiring contract. Again, you're trying to get a stop-gag shooting guard. You could do a lot worse than Gary Harris, so I don't see that being an issue. Um, if he does stick around the year, I don't think it's overly consequential either to the to the Magic if they do have him. Uh, it is someone that at least can help on the defensive end, uh, even if he's not someone that I think is a fit for this team moving forward. I just don't see that as something that Orlando's going to be interested in after this year. Uh, Jonathan Isaac I have because he did sign that four-year $69 million contract with the Magic. Um, all the guaranteed, basically getting paid 17.4 mil. But here's the thing. He got him covered from the ages 23, uh, which he is now through 26. But he's been injured so much right now that I'm, I'm in my mind as unfortunate as, as it is I look at this and go hey we may not get prime Jonathan Isaac but we may be able 
to convince another team to sell high on this guy. Hey, when this guy's healthy, you know, you're going to have someone who's lengthy, someone who's going to be a defensive force, someone whose offensive game, you know, although was growing rather slowly, was actually growing. And he may be like, a, I don't want to compare him to like a Jeremy Grant or anything like that. That's not at all what I'm trying to go at. But like someone who can be all defensively uh, versatile as well as offensively not um, playing you off the floor. That's someone that you can start building around as a core piece or someone to, you know, continue on if, let's say, you're marketing or trying to showcase Isaac to the Warriors. Someone to continue the tradition of taking in the mantle from, you know, the older vets, the Currys, the Thompsons, the Draymonds to the next generation of Golden State Warriors. Just focusing on that team, but that's how I would make a play for Isaac because I, I don't know if I want to build around him at this time. We've seen a couple of years, he just can't stay on the floor. You feel bad about that. Absolutely do. You're paying a guy that amount of money, and he can't stay on the floor. I mean, is he really helping? No. And if that's the case, can you really consider him a core piece of your team? And I don't think you can. I'm not saying he's absolutely a trade piece, but I'm saying he's definitely one that I would consider as such. Just because I, I just look at it like, hey, if he's available, um, and we can get a nice, you know, a couple of pieces, maybe a couple of draft picks, continue that youth, uh, youth build, continue that the start from scratch, uh, construction effort that we're gonna have to do. And Isaac can help us get that done. We can get players who can actually suit up and play right now. Yes, what Isaac could be is tremendously better than probably anything we can get back in return for Isaac. But we don't know. It's not a guarantee that we're going to have that. And with each passing year, it's less of that. And then before you know it, what, you're going to wait two more years and then go, hey, you know, Jonathan Isaac's available. And guess what? The book is out, written, and signed. Everyone's going to know. And you're not going to get a quality return. I- I'm just basically saying I would float out Jonathan Isaac just to see what might bite. And if not, you keep him and you move on with that. You could kind of say the same for Markel Fultz, but I think Jonathan Isaac, his value is still high enough that you can convince yourself that, hey, you know, we could get, you know, a semi-significant piece back in return. Now, core pieces for the Magic. I have Cole Anthony, question mark, RJ Hampton, Chumo Kiki, the number five draft picked, and maybe Jonathan Isaacs, maybe Markel Fultz. In truth, I could have put, I don't know, who is there as a core piece for the match? Because how do you define a core piece? Are they going to be on the next great Orlando Magic team in three to five years? Because, you know, Cole Anthony could be a very good rotation-level guard in three to five years. He may not be the star. RJ Hampton, you know, he's only 20. He could definitely be uh, uh, someone who could shape up to be a very solid shooting guard. But do you think he's going to be, like, one of the premier shooting guards in the East? You know, he's going to be the leader of the Orlando Magic? I, I don't know. Uh... Same with Chumo Kiki. He's a very solid player. Love the fact he's growing his stroke out a little bit, shooting that J. Um, love his offensive game as well as his defense, but do you think he's going to be that guy? I have my reservations. Same with Jonathan Isaacs. I already mentioned him. him. Same with Markel Fultz. In addition to him finding a three-point shot at all, because that mid-range jumper is going to be fine. It'd be amazing if it was 2005 and he was Andre Miller, but he's not, and it's not. So those are questions I have. Who knows what the number five draft pick will be? Is it a Jonathan Kaminga? Is it a Scotty Barnes? Uh, if so, you're looking at them to just significantly grow their offensive game, keep their defensive potential, you know, uh, shore up some aspects of their game in terms of ball handling and passing, and, and somewhat forming themselves to be the hub of this next Orlando Magic team. And I don't know. Do you even see a player on this team that could be, let's say, what, 20, I want to say 2016 Aaron Aflalo? Or 2015. I think Aaron Flalo, if you remember, had a couple of years. Shout out to Aaron Flalo, by the way. But Aaron Flalo, decent shooting guard, 3 and D guy, who all of a sudden uh, kind of spread his wings and became a semi, uh, well, he was inefficient, but a, a semi-decent offensive initiator uh, for at least one year uh, in his age 28 season 
for the Orlando Magic in the 2013-2014 season. Uh, this dude averaged 10 points a game, and all of a sudden, he burst out with 18 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists per game, over 73 games with the Magic, shooting 45% from the field and 42% from 3. Not bad. Like, he was kind of a guy that year for Orlando. He would play, you know, through the, the uh, pinch post. He would he would get that elbow jumper. He would shoot the three ball well. Like, he was that guy. Do you have a guy that could do that for Orlando this year? Mind you, uh, Aflalo immediately regressed shortly thereafter. Kind of got in his head that this is the kind of guy he was. He wasn't. Um, and then just kind of went down slowly but surely from there. Uh, went back to Denver, not too great. Then went to Portland uh, once uh, Wesley Matthews went down in midseason. That didn't work out too well. And then he kind of flamed out afterwards. Actually ended his career four years later in Orlando, averaging three points per game. So, uh, funny story, sad decline, whatever. He had a very solid career. The point being, I'm trying to say, is there someone on this Magic roster that you could say, hey, he's going to come up and just explode for, you know, 18 to 20 points for us consistently? I don't see it right now. I just don't. And maybe I'm too down on them, but that's where I'm at for Orlando. And I'm intrigued because that's part of the excitement. Even though I don't see it, it doesn't mean it couldn't happen. And I want to see if such an event could occur. All right, so keys to the Magic offseason. One, just embrace the rebuild. It's it's happening. You look at your roster, a lot of young guys. It doesn't make any sense to trade for someone to finish right where you were the last couple of years. Seventh, eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Doesn't make any type of sense for that to happen. Just know where you're going. And that is, you're starting from the bottom to get back and hopefully build a foundation stronger than before. You have guys like Wendell Carter Jr. You have guys like RJ Hampton, Chumo Kiki. You have folks, like I said, Mo Bamba, who's still around. Don't even know where he fits in after an underwhelming season. Cole Anthony. You got guys who are like mid to lower 20s. Start with that. See what that, what fruit that may bring. That's what I focus on first. Second thing is evaluation time is now. It is. You have to look at these guys, really evaluate who is a long-term piece, who is someone that could be a great trade chip, who is long for the Atlanta Magic, and who just doesn't work out, whether it's with philosophy with new coach Jamal Mosley, whether it's just with other teammates, whether it's just a bad fit at a bad time. What do you do about Jonathan uh, Isaacs? Is Markel Fultz the guy at point moving forward? Do we need Mo Bamba? Do you need Mo Bamba? Because I don't know if I need Mo Bamba. I, I like Bamba just... I tried it again. I know. I'm sorry. All right, next thing. Extension for Wendell Carter Jr. It's a thought. I don't know. He came in um, over 22 games with the Magic. He finished with 11 points and 8 boards. 8.8 boards. uh, Shot 53% from 2. Decent. uh, Didn't really have a 3-point stroke. 24% from there. Took a few. I, I mean, he had some flashes. Maybe is he someone there? Maybe looking at him this year will kind of be the, the, the barometer there to say, hey, this is something we can stick to long-term, or, you know, we'll see what restricted free agency brings and kind of go from there. That's a thought as well. My last thing is second draft opportunities, and I'm intrigued by teams doing more of this, especially rebuilding teams. We saw Houston kind of do this uh, buying low for um, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, when they were just taking on the rebuilding. Now we see that he could be a fan of, uh, uh, potential foundational piece alongside the number two pick that they have and Christian Wood. But if you're the Magic right now, rather than get a whole bunch of vets who would just kind of string you along, not winning enough games to matter, but not losing enough games to, you know, fully rebuild, maybe be in the lottery next year, maybe make some moves for some second draft opportunities. Players who, you know, flamed out for whatever reason at their first stop can be had for a relatively low price and can bring you back some decent value in the right situation with the right encouragement and developmental process. 
I'm looking at guys like a Frank Milikina, or maybe trading for a guy like a Marvin Bagley or a Jared Culver, who actually news came out yesterday that could be available for as low as the second round pick for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's someone that, you know, had great, great potential, still may have it, but just flamed out in a bad situation, or is he just not that player? Well, if you're the Magic, you can afford to take the gamble and try to find out. What do you have to lose? Games? <laughs> I mean, come on. That's going to happen anyway. So that's what I would look at if I was the Orlando Magic. You're already starting from the bottom. Now you got to get yourself back up. Hopefully get back to the glory days, playoff contention, and all that good stuff. But this is year one of reevaluating, reassessing, and moving forward. And I'm excited to see what the Orlando Magic do with that. That's my outlook there. Very curious on them. That's my new team this year. It's still early. I could change my mind. Depends on when whether Westbrook goes anywhere else because the Wizards were my team last year, as well as the Spurs, who I really enjoyed, uh, alongside my Lakers, who always have my heart. So we already know. But the Magic are one team that I'm very intrigued by, and I think you should be too. Right, NBA birthdays. We have a few. Speaking of uh, second draft opportunities and Frank Nilekina, Frank Nilekina is 23 today. He's already played four years of the Knicks, averaging five points, two rebounds, and two assists over his four years so far. He actually had his best shooting year from three, but on a volume so low that I almost feel bad bringing it up. Uh, for his career, Frankie Smoke shoots a blistering 32% from three. So use that for reference because he actually shot like somewhere in north of 45% this past year on like, again, just basketball reference that bad boy. At the same time, though, he is a young guard with some defensive value that could make a tremendous second draft player if he can go to such a team that would encourage that. So I am very much looking forward to seeing a team possibly given the opportunity. Is it the Knicks? I don't think so, especially with Tom Thibodeau at the helm. He just doesn't seem to be that guy, and that's not the worst thing. It's just a thing. Uh, also going to give a happy birthday to Troy Brown, who turns 23. Uh, he was kind of languishing with the Wizards. Uh, he had one good year. His second year in the league, he averaged 10 points, five rebounds, two assists um, in 69 in 69 games, 22 starts. Uh, regressed last year uh, between Washington and Chicago, but still someone I believe in as terms of being a, a ball handler in a six foot six frame that could potentially shoot just a little bit. Although he's shooting even worse for his career so far than Frankie Smokes did, 31% from three over his career. But it's possible. Again, another second draft opportunity guy. Um, someone who's in Chicago right now that you know, could potentially make it happen. So we'll see um, how he is. In either event, we definitely wish him a great 22nd birthday. Another birthday I have to look out for. These are more of the legends. Willie Green. Yes, the Pelicans coach Willie Green turns 40. He played 12 seasons in the NBA for a variety of teams. He was a solid, you know, I'd say a decent shooting guard. He knocked down at least 53s in six of his 12 years in the league. So he had that in his back too. All-around pros pro. Really happy for him in New Orleans. Really excited to see what they do. Um, and having a coach in Willie Green at the helm was getting his first shot and has really paid his dues and put in that work to get there. Very excited for him there. Speaking of another coach, this one more legendary, Doug Collins, who will be 70. He's better known as a longtime coach and TV analyst, but Collins did play eight years in the NBA before injuries cut his time short, and he was an all-star for four of those eight seasons, averaging 17 points, three rebounds, and three assists per game on 50% shooting over the course of his career. He also averaged 22 points, four rebounds, and four assists the one season the Sixers made a finals appearance in the 70s. It was in 1977 to be exact, and they lost to the Portland Trailblazers, Bill Walton, all the craziness, all the vibes, Portland forever, all that good stuff. Bill Bradley, another birthday, 78. He averaged 12 points, three rebounds, and three assists, somewhere north of that, for 10 years, 1967 to 1977. He's a Hall of Famer. 
two-time champ of the Knicks in 1970 and 1973, one of the great shooters of his time, especially from the forward position, and with a nickname to match, Dollar Bill. <laughs> dollar, Dollar Bill, y'all. Check it out. That's all I got to say. Last but not least, Manu Ginobili, who is 44. Over his career average, 13 points, three, three rebounds, three, yeah, three rebounds and five assists, a little bit more than that, three and a half, three and a half, but still, Manu Ginobili is a legend, uh, and I actually got that wrong, I'm sorry, 13 points, 3.5 rebounds, just under four assists for his career, but forget all that, because those are just numbers. He was a two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, he was on the 2002-2003 All-Rookie Team, he was the 2008 Sixth Man of the Year, and most importantly, he was a four-time champ of the San Antonio Spurs, the team he spent all of his 16 seasons with. That's 2003, 2005, 2007, 2014, 2014, even balding. He was still dunking on Ray Allen and fools like that and getting it in. He's such a legend. He played till he was 40 with such sauce, man. It's exciting uh, to wish him happy birthday as well. And that is it. We had a busy day for birthdays. Again, Frank Nitty, Troy Brown, Doug Collins, Bill Bradley, and Manu Ginobili. I mentioned, I mentioned uh, Troy Brown. Yes, I did. Okay, cool. Had to make sure I did that, yeah. <laughs> Frank, Troy Brown, Doug Collins, Bill Bradley, Ginobili, and Willie Green. That's who I missed. Willie Green, Coach Willie Green. So, so sorry. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, that just about does it here for another episode of Roundball Ramble. I think I've been rambling on enough, don't you? Especially toward the end there. <laughs> but you know where to find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Hoopball, hoop-ball.com, online at hoop ball tweets uh got one little thing i need to plug not really need to plug it's a little segment remember the what i've been reading what i've been watching all that good stuff well i was reading a very good piece by my friend cody hodek um check out cody uh on twitter at cody hodek c-o-d-y h-o-u-d-e-k uh, been the privilege of meeting him and working on premium hoops. Uh, he's also the co-host of Sense and Scalability. He's a player scout for Thinking Basketball. He's an all-around Bucks fan. Really happy for him on that. He's done some really cool retrospectives, talking like 3,000, 4,000 words, going back with a multitude of video clips on a player from the past. He did a crazy one um, last year on Ben Wallace. I didn't even know I needed a deep dive on Ben Wallace, but I got one from Cody, and that was amazing. But he also did one yesterday on Sean Marion, and it's titled How Good Was Sean Marion in His Prime? Definitely make sure to check that out. He was known for his unorthodox jumper, which I've actually taken, and I think it's pretty effective, and he had a great second jump, but there is so much more, and Cody goes into it deep, how he pops, great coverage, as he usually does. Make sure to check him out and check out that piece as well. You won't forget it. You won't regret it, and there we go. I'm rambling again, but that's all I got. Definitely want you to look into that. All right. That's it, y'all. I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. NBA draft time, baby. Let's get it. (laughs) All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.